was really, that was good. That was excellent. Good, good yeah. song for, oh. that, for that message here is. So yeah. anyway, well, it's good to uh, be here tonight and uh, glad that you have uh, come. And uh, I don't know if you noticed a, a table out there in the back. Uh, it's a, uh, uh, a table that I had the last time I was here. And uh, there is uh, some new things, uh, very few uh, new things, but there are some new things. And of course, uh, maybe you didn't get uh, last week, uh, or last time I was here, uh, what uh, you uh, need to get. So anyway, uh, my wife's book is back there. That's new. I know that. And um, it would be a real blessing to you. Uh, she loved to write, and she would write... Uh, you know, uh, things uh, about uh, her life and things that she also got some poems in there that uh, meant a lot to her, uh, but uh, different uh, circumstances, her uh, journey uh, concerning health issues and, and so forth, uh, and uh, just uh, her uh, testimony, it just oozes out of that book. I mean, you, you just uh, are really lifted up by, by her love for the Lord. You can tell her heart. Uh, for the Lord, and uh, so that's out there. Um, it's titled uh, "From the uh, 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 Let's See From the uh, What Is It From the uh, uh, Something of Her Life From the Hope Chest of Her Life." There it is, the Hope Chest of Her Life, and uh, so uh, you can stop by, take a look at that. Uh, there are scripture verses back there as well. Uh, Christmas time's coming, and uh, you know, they make great gifts. Uh, those scripture verses are uh, hand calligraphy. Uh, they are done by a good man who loved the Word of God uh, so much that he wanted to give it in people's lives, and so he went to school to learn calligraphy, and uh, all those verses he did. And uh, he's gone to be the Lord. He, before he left to go to heaven, he wanted to uh, get uh, someone to carry on his ministry of giving the scriptures at home. So he gave uh, that ministry to my wife, and she uh, was very, very diligent about it. And I'm trying to carry it on, but uh, it is my wife's ministry, uh, giving scriptures and that book table. It's her ministry. But anyway, there are other good things. There's music CDs back there, uh, plus uh, books on the home and various aspects of home. Uh, uh, a book on Psalms, uh, which is uh, uh, written in a very practical way, uh, and a book on Proverbs. It comments on every proverb in the book of Proverbs. So, a lot of good things that will be a, a great uh, encouragement to you and a great edifying to you uh, if uh, you uh, uh, see that uh, if the Lord talks to your heart about doing uh, something. I'll be back to afterwards. If you have any questions, let me know, and we'll be happy to answer your questions. Uh, you might have. All right, let's take our Bibles tonight. Go to Second Chronicles, chapter number seven. Second Chronicles, uh, chapter number seven in your Bible. I think this is a very familiar verse uh, to most of us here tonight. Uh, maybe all of us. But Second Chronicles, chapter number seven and verse uh, number fourteen. Second Chronicles seven and verse number fourteen. If my people. That you, uh, you may always say, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. All right, let's take the Lord in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Speak to our hearts tonight. 
Uh, Lord, we desperately need revival. And I pray you just speak to our hearts and uh, help us to see that revival is an individual thing. It starts with individuals. It is not something that starts with a group or a great uh, a number of people. It starts with individual people. And so Lord, we pray that we would uh, uh, be in the place of revival. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, for your sake, amen. I don't believe the testimonies of people how they got saved. Do you? I really enjoy that. And uh, I mean, God uh, works in different ways, and, and uh, uh, we're all uh, unique people, and, and God knows uh, how to work with us and do this himself. And so I really love to, to hear testimonies. There's a dear man, of my, a friend of mine, uh, whose testimony is very unique, I think, very, very unique. Um, his name is Phil, and uh, Phil was uh, a, a very committed uh, anti-communist guy. He was into the John Birch Society. I don't know if you ever heard of the John Birch Society, but it's a very anti-communist uh, group. They're still going, by the way. They're still going today. And uh, he was really a strong patriot, strong American, and uh, he was a member of the uh, John Birch Society. Well, he happened to uh, pick up the paper and he saw that this uh, particular church was having this uh, special meeting. Uh, they were having a, a college president uh, come in and, and take the meeting, and uh, he had uh, noticed in the John Bush magazine, they have a, a magazine he put out of the life, he had noticed an advertisement of the school that this man was the president of, uh, and he thought, man, that must be an anti-communist school, you know? I mean, they're advertising John Bush Society, and he thought, uh, you know, as he saw that uh, this uh, president of that school is going to be speaking at the church, he says, I'll tell you, it's an anti-communist rally. And all the way, they didn't get involved in that, you know? Uh, it, it was really a revival meeting going on at this church, you know? And, uh, of course, uh, the gospel is an anti-communist uh, message, amen? Probably the greatest anti-communist message there is. And so, but he didn't know that. He thought it was an anti-communist rally, and he went to the anti-communist rally, so he thought, but it was a revival meeting, and he heard this uh, president of the school get up, and he preached on what's wrong with the world. <laughs> that was uh, what he preached on, and he said, what's wrong with the world is a thing called sin. And he's got that right with it, because I told him if there'd be no sin, uh, there wouldn't be the mess that we got today in our world. But anyway, uh, he went on and preached about how that we're all sinners, and that Christ died for our sins, and, and that we need to be saved, and, and uh, God's Holy Spirit is working in Phil's life through that message, and at the invitation, Phil came, and he accepted Christ. He trusted Christ as Savior, and he was saved from sin, just like everybody can be saved from sin if they're willing to come uh, to Jesus in repentance and faith. Uh, they can be saved from sin. Well, uh, that night, uh, you know, uh, Phil heard a message on what's wrong with the world. I want to preach tonight on what's wrong with America. You know, there's something wrong with America. I, I'm sure that you realize that if you read the newspaper, or, uh, you know, uh, if you uh, listen to any news, you know that there's something desperately wrong uh, with this nation. We're going down the wrong road. Um, uh, we are uh, just in, in great trouble uh, economically. We're in great trouble uh, socially. We're in great trouble uh, in um, uh, politically. I mean, we are uh, on the verge, I think, we're on the verge of a civil war. I mean, uh, there could 
should be a civil war uh, coming around the corner for America, uh, the way things are going. So our country, what's wrong with America? What's wrong with America? Here's what's wrong with America. You know what it is? No revival. No revival. That's what's wrong with America. Now, uh, who's that talking about? No revival. That's talking about you and I are saved, amen? See? I mean, uh, a lot of people can't have revival. They don't have any life. Revival is a, a renewed life in the hearts and lives of God's people. See? God's people. That's you and I are saved. See? Uh, and so, uh, the real uh, uh, need of America and the real problem with America is uh, it's uh, Christians. It's you and I are saved. Uh, we are not in the place of revival. We're not living uh, a revival life, say. Uh, and as a result of that, America is going down the wrong road. Now, you know, a revival is something that you never hear about in a public school. You never hear about revival in... Uh, uh, a lot of churches, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, some uh, some Bible schools don't even believe in revival. Some people who say don't even believe in revival. See, uh, so uh, there's a lot of places where you don't hear about revival. I mean, you sure don't hear about revival in the newspaper or in the media. Correct? I mean, you don't have revival. Hear about revival on the news? Not whatsoever. You don't even read about revival in newspapers. You know, there used to have uh, articles, newspapers about revival things going on. You know, it used to. And uh, so, but you know, I mean, that, that would be, I tell you what, that would be uh, something that was uh, just totally unheard of if uh, a newspaper uh, talked about revivals. Well, tonight, I want to uh, have you hear about revival. I want you to hear about uh, the revivals that took place in America that made America. The reason why America has been such a great nation and it's uh, existed for so many years, I mean, over uh, 200 years, and, and no other nation has uh, existed as long as our nation. Uh, you know, uh, we are the longest uh, uh, existing nation in human history. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we had revival. We had revivals in this country. And that uh, those revivals preserved this country from uh, being destroyed. You know? I mean, uh, the nation of Babylon was destroyed. Uh, the nation of, uh, of uh, uh, Greece was destroyed. I mean, all these nations, the Roman Empire was destroyed. Uh, all these nations were destroyed. And, you know, they never had revival. They never had revival. But America has existed as long as it's existed because of, of revivals. So I want you to hear about uh, the revivals that made America what it is and that preserved this nation and uh, to, to show you that uh, what we need is a revival in this nation again. Uh, otherwise, you know, uh, who knows? I mean, uh, how much longer our country is going to uh, exist? How much of the world nation or something like that? Or we have a civil war or, or something like that? And so I want you to see that uh, revival is what made America what it is today. It's kept America what it is today. First of all, the first revival uh, took place in 1740. This is before we ever became, uh, before 1776, obviously, when we became a nation. So this uh, revival took place in 1740. Uh, during that time, they had what they called the halfway covenant. Now, the main church of, uh, of that period of time was the Congregational Church. I mean, Baptists were looked down upon as being weird. <laughs> Baptists were looked down upon as being, uh, you know, uh, just uh, off the wall people, uh, you know, and uh, 
I really knew he liked, liked suits. I'd come and take him and put him in a, uh, some other place, you know, uh, or in some hospital or something like that. So doctors were, were not very uh, big at that time. There weren't, there weren't a lot of it. But the Congregational Church was the big church. And uh, it was a little bit more than the little Congregational uh, Churches over in England. And uh, uh, so uh, this uh, Congregational Church had some real bad doctrine. And one of the things that they taught and practiced was the halfway covenant. Now the halfway covenant was this. It was that, you know, mom and dad uh, could uh, be saved uh, and uh, living a, a fairly decent life. And therefore, uh, they could be in the church membership. But uh, young people uh, didn't have to uh, be saved uh, because, uh, you know, they were young people and uh, they could be uh, members in church, uh, you know, even though they had no testimony of salvation, even though uh, yeah, they had been baptized, uh, yet they could be members of the church. So that was what they called the halfway cover. So half was, I mean, mom and dad was saved and the other half were Right? The kids were not saved. And uh, you know what that caused? You had a lot of unsaved people in the church. There were a lot of unsaved people in the congregational church. And as a result of that, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of sinning going on. And um, uh, the nation really was getting bad. It was getting worse and worse. And um, we read in the Bible. Well, God raised up a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards uh, preached a, a powerful message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He preached that message. You know, he prayed 30 days over that. He prayed 30 days over that message before he preached it. He was so uh, concerned about preaching it with the right spirit and the right heart. And he prayed 30 days over it that the Lord would use it. And uh, God did uh, use it. There were, there were over 500 people saved when he preached that message. Over 500 people were saved uh, when he preached that message. And God used it in such a, a powerful way. But there was not only uh, Jonathan Edwards during this first uh, revival time, uh, but there was a man by the name of George Whitfield. Now, George Whitfield was a powerful preacher. He didn't need any microphone. I mean, he could preach uh, down the open field and he could win a blocks away. I mean, he had a powerful voice and a tremendous preacher of the Word of God. He was uh, a horse by circuit riding preacher. He would ride around on horseback to various communities and he preached the gospel. And over a hundred thousand people came to know Christ as Savior because of uh, George Whitfield's uh, preaching. And, uh, you know, there was an article about this uh, uh, particular revival that appeared in the Billings Gazette. That's uh, Billings, Montana, way out in Montana. And this is the article that is written by an unsaved man. And listen to uh, what he says about that 1740 revival. Uh, you know, I'm going to preach it with Jonathan Edwards and, and uh, George Whitfield and others. This is what he says. I once visited a cemetery in Old Boston where uh, the tombstones date back to some of the earliest residents of the colonies. I discovered an interesting pattern. Those grave markers erected before 1730 bore skulls and crossbones. <laughs> skulls and crossbones. You know, you can tell you read the Bible around here, you know why? Because there's a great big skeleton standing in the yard up here. You know, I don't know if you've seen that skeleton, but he's got his hands up in the air. They, I mean, he must be about 10, 12 feet high. I don't know. Uh, you can tell what we read the Bible around here. You know, when, when people are, 
you know, demonstrating and hobnobbing with skeletons, you know, I mean, that shows you we need to talk about what they're really about, I mean, they're grave markers, they're really bad, I mean, uh, people uh, skulls and crossbones and, and uh, people were uh, in despair and, and uh, they were, uh, you know, uh, also, uh, you know, in despair over uh, death and the picture of death was, was there, I mean, there was no, you know, death was no big deal, I mean, that guy out there, you know, he's got that uh, big old skeleton. I mean, he, he just he mocking death like, you know, it's uh, nothing, you know, you die and that's it and so forth. Uh, so, anyway, uh, we're, we're about like they were back there in those uh, two revival days of 1730, uh, you know, and uh, where, where skulls and crossbones are markers on their gravestones. Well, you know, after 1740, and the beginning of the revival, uh, the markers that were erected after 1740 had uh, pictures and images of angels and cherubim, and they were often inscribed with verses about heaven. You see, uh, that uh, revival of 1740 uh, produced a great change. Notice what uh, someone else said here. The only event that could have made such a difference in the Boston markers, grave markers, was the Great Awakening of 1730 that swept uh, the colonies uh, in the 1730s and 40s. Benjamin Franklin wrote uh, these words. He wrote these uh, words that there was a wonderful awakening, a wonderful, describing the Great Awakening. He said, it's wonderful. You know, most people think, look, I don't know if I'll revive my life, you know what, I'll keep bed and and Peter bed the rest of my life and I'll never smile again, you know, and I'll get miserable, you know, because I'll have all things I can't do and all the things I'll be doing and, and, and I'll just be miserable. Benjamin Franklin, you know, he was not insane, he said, he was wonderful, he was wonderful. That revival in 1740, Benjamin Franklin said those uh, very words. He said, uh, change soon made in the manners of our inhabitants. The manners of our inhabitants changed, you know? I bet you they have a lot less liberty, don't you think? You know, one of the things that really bothers me is people just throw this stuff out and, uh, you know, so much liberty in our country People just throw stuff out. I can never understand that. Why people want to litter up um, uh, our, uh, you know, nation and litter up with you know, Well, he said that the manners, the manners. You know, it's just good manners. Good manners, you know. You just have good manners. You know, the manners of the people of our inhabitants changed so that one could not walk. Notice this. One could not walk through the town in the evening. It's Boston now. Boston, big city, you could not walk through town in the evening without hearing songs being sung in different families of every street. They were singing psalms uh, about the Lord and uh, scripture psalms and they were singing on every street. Every family was, was uh, singing. Can you, imagine, can you imagine what that would be like if you had that down in Philadelphia? On every street singing psalms, you know? I tell you what, uh, we should need revival because 
you, you uh, don't ever hear any uh, something like that going on in our, our big cities anymore, even Boston right now. I mean, uh, they're not singing psalms at all. It's, uh, they're not, uh, uh, you know, uh, filled with good money. So anyway, uh, that was written by an unsaved man you know, in describing the uh, Great Awakening. Now, the people, you know, they had this great awakening going on. God really blessed the people to save, but then the people started forgetting God. They started forgetting God and leaving God out of their life. You know, and uh, revival is uh, when God is alive in your life. You know, a lot of Christians, God's dead. Now, practically speaking, in their life, he, he, he's not, there's not that life of God. You know, uh, there's not that life bubbling forth. And, and a lot of Christians are, are are practical atheists. I mean, they, they say they believe in God, but their life is is far from being uh, alive. I mean, the, the Christian life is just far from being, you know, that which is just filled with exuberance. It, it's just not there. And uh, so that's uh, an indication we need revival, isn't it? Because we've got a lot of that today in our country, in our churches. You see, during this time, also German rationalism came in over from uh, Europe. And, uh, it, uh, you know, rationalism, liberalism, not believing the being of Christ, not believing the Bible is the word of God. And uh, uh, this, this came over from Germany, and uh, the liberalism that was over there uh, started infiltrating our schools, started infiltrating our churches, you know. And uh, as a result, the country really got bad. You see, and after 1740 revival, you see, revival is something that uh, you need to constantly and continually uh, maintain in your life. And, and people stopped maintaining it, and, and they uh, uh, just stopped uh, uh, remembering God, and, and pretty soon, you know what, uh, the country started going bad. Say, it started going bad. Because uh, even Christians have an old nature, you know, and you don't feed that new nature, and you let that old nature get all the food, uh, you know what, uh, you can begin to uh, do uh, what's bad, too, as well, you know, even as a Christian. But anyway, the reason that a princess uh, took place during this time, remember that was a great time of purchasing a, a private property, a western uh, property uh, from the Mississippi West, and the Louisiana Princess, and uh, they said that in the western frontier, during this time, after the Great Awakening uh, uh, took place, the western frontier, uh, you know what, uh, the only way to turn home on Jesus Christ is as a curse word. People begin to just curse Jesus Christ. And curse words and filthy words uh, became uh, just uh, flowing out of people's mouths. Does that sound like today? It sure does. I mean, uh, we have the F word, we have filthy words on uh, all kinds of TV. I mean, they're talking about fornication. They're that, uh, we're, we're living in a day of cursing and, and uh, taking God's own very profanity uh, like never before even. You know, you used to ever hear women uh, speak profanely, but now uh, women are, are, are filled, their lives are filled with profanity. You know, I remember my, uh, my dad, my wife's dad got saved. Uh, some of his relatives said, well, old Vic, he's, he's really changed. You know why? He must have, something's really wrong with his life. You know why? He doesn't curse anymore. He doesn't curse anymore. 
And yet uh, today, you know, Christians are beginning to curse. I mean, people say they're saved. I was talking to a man not too long ago. He said the guy who works there, you know, he claims to be a Christian, but he curses. And uh, in between... Uh, in between his drinking whiskey, you know, I mean, he, he uh, says he's a Christian, you know, and uh, yet he curses and goes down the whole thing. I'll tell you something, uh, you know, uh, uh, we need revival because that's the way it is in our Christian, so-called Christianity here. There's lots of curses. Even preachers are cursing. Everything is okay to curse. You know, it's, a, it's okay. You know, uh, I, I tell you what, we need revival. Uh, that's uh, uh, what happened at the end of the Great Awakening. We got away from revival. And all this stuff started coming. got away from revival. Individual Christians got away from any revival in their heart and in their life. And as a result of that, uh, this stuff started uh, blossoming and, and coming forth. Then there was another great revival. This is called the Second Great Revival. So we had a Second Great Awakening. This caused our country uh, not to be destroyed. If we hadn't had this second great awakening because things were really bad after the 1740 revival and uh, people, Christian people got away from that revival in their hearts and lives uh, and as well as that, uh, it, the country really started going down, we could have had our nation destroyed, you know, uh, right, uh, right after that. But we had a second revival come along. And uh, this is called the Great Awakening. I mean, it was this, uh, one of the Great Awakenings uh, or revivals. And this took place in the 1800s. The early 1800s lasted for years. Uh, there was uh, over a million people saved in the population of the uh, colonies were, was 131 million. Now we're 8 billion uh, in the world. But uh, in America, it's 233 million people now in America. But America only had 13 million back at this time, and uh, 3% of the population of America got saved. That would be uh, 390,000 out of uh, 13 million. 390,000 Americans got saved uh, during uh, this time, and uh, you know, if uh, uh, we would uh, put that into perspective, you know, America, 333 million, if 3% of American people would get saved, and that's always the result of revival. Revival always brings uh, uh, people who are lost to salvation. Always does. Always does. And uh, why is it we see so few saved? You know, I, I tell you what, I see so few saved uh, in, in our meetings. And why is it? I'll tell you why. Because Christians aren't living in revival. They're not living in revival. As a result of that, when we're not living in the revival, people aren't getting saved. They're just not getting saved. And so, and that's always the result. But 333 million in America, if 3% of that got saved, that'd be 990,000 people getting saved. Uh, if we would just have 3% of our population today uh, come to know the Lord. Well, you know, uh, the reason why we had uh, tremendous revivals back at this 1800 period of time is because they had a lot of camp meetings. They had a lot of camp meetings all over the country. Uh, and this would be a time when Christians would, would uh, pack up for a few days in a, a wagon and they would bring the whole family out and they'd sleep uh, uh, at this camp meeting ground and they'd sleep in the wagons and they'd get up and they'd uh, sing and pray and preach and sing and pray and preach in these camp meetings and there were multitudes of people that came to know the Lord 
our Savior uh, as a result of these camp meetings. Uh, Bob Jones Lucy puts out a lot of films, and my favorite film that they put out was a film called Sheffy. I don't know if you've ever seen that film, but it talks about a, a guy who was a, a, a real incident of revival back in those days at, at this particular time, and uh, uh, God used him, and uh, talks about how he was involved in camp meetings. And there was uh, uh, a tremendous uh, influence of this revival upon uh, our colleges and our universities back in these days. Uh, there was a man by the name of Timothy Dwight, who was a professor at Yale College, and uh, you know what? He led the revival. <laughs> Can you imagine a revival at Yale College? I mean, folks, I mean, I wouldn't send my dad to that school now. It's so liberal and so uh, filled with uh, socialistic ideas and uh, uh, atheists and so forth. Uh, at Yale College back in that day, uh, this Timothy Dwight led the revival and God worked in the lives of many people. In Yale there were a lot of preachers that came out of Yale College. A lot of missions came out of, of Yale College. As a result of Timothy Dwight and others uh, who had revival during this 1800 period of time, in 1904, there was a man by the name of uh, William Borden. William Borden was heir to the Borden fortune, the Borden dairy fortune. His milk uh, uh, that's what they uh, made and produced and so forth. And this guy, William Borden, was heir to it. Well, he was just a young man. In 1904, William Borden got saved in this revival time. He got saved. And, um, uh, you know, uh, under the ministry of R.A. Tully, a great teacher in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, uh, William Borden, after he graduated uh, from high school, his mom and dad sent him on a round-the-world cruise, all expenses paid. How would you like to have that for a graduation present from high school, you know? But, uh, of course, the Bordens were able to afford that. And uh, William Borden went on this round-the-world cruise, and he saw all the people in the world. He saw the lost people in the world. And, you know, he had revival in his heart. And he says, you know, he came home, he said, Mom and Dad, he said, I, I, I believe God wants me to be a missionary. And I want to go and train to be a missionary. So he went off to Yale College, and he uh, began to train to be a missionary after he graduated. And he also went to Princeton for seminary. And Princeton, you know, uh, back in that day, it was, it, during this revival time, it was a great place to go to seminary, you know. I mean, um, Princeton today is liberal to the core. It's filled with uh, all kinds of unbelief. And, uh, but back in that day, the revival uh, had affected Princeton, you know. It affected uh, the colleges and universities of our time, of our country. And uh, he went to Princeton, and William Borden, on his way over to the mission field, stopped in Egypt to learn the language, and he got spinal meningitis. And William Borden died at a very young age. And, you know, he had revival in his life so much so that, uh, you know, he wrote in the back of his Bible when he knew he was going to die, no, no uh, retreat, you know, no, no regret, no regret. He said, no regret, you know. He had so much revival, I mean, dying was gain to him. I have no regret. You know, it makes you wonder, uh, you know, we, we need revival so much in our country because a lot of Christians, they're scared to death uh, because of COVID. They, they don't come to church, they're like, I'm going to get COVID, you know, and, and they're scared to death. Well, whatever happened to being, uh, dying and, and, and being gain? You know, whatever happened to that? Uh, see, uh, Christians today, they're aware that uh, dying is, is gain. You know, they're afraid of, I mean, I'm going to die. 
come to church. I can't be around people. I gotta wear a thin mask before I go to bed and I you know I gotta be you, you know. You need revival. These people need revival. They're not even there are so many churches that I've been in and the pastor says, you know, we we just never got all our people back yet. I mean other people just scared to death to come. Well, I tell you what, uh, you need revival when you're afraid to die. You need revival if you're saved. You know, it's gain. <laughs> Paul says, I desire to part with the Lord and have revival in his life. You know, he wants you living in fear. You know, really, there's only one thing you need to fear, and that's God. Because when you fear God, you have nothing else to fear. But when you don't have the fear of God, you have everything to fear. When you have the fear of God, you know, revivals have the fear of God in your life. Not uh, the fear of man, not the fear of COVID, not the fear of, uh, you know, this or that. See, uh, you have everything to fear when you don't have the fear of God in your life. But when you have the fear of God, you have nothing to fear. You really do. You have nothing to fear. So, anyway, uh, Charles Finney said during this time of praying, uh, uh, Wally, he was a lawyer, fantastic lawyer. Uh, just was very, very smart man. He got saved and he became a preacher of the gospel. And, uh, you know, he was saved at a time when, when Calvinism was really strong. I mean, preachers didn't have revival in their life. They weren't given invitations. You had Calvinism. Well, people didn't get saved. Okay. You know? You know, there are a lot of contemporary churches that don't give invitations. I mean, they don't give invitations. If you'll be going to one, they, they won't give invitations. I'm going to tell you something. That, that's a church that doesn't have revival going on. When revival's going on, uh, you know, uh, you're giving invitations. Charles Finney would say, you know, during this period of time when they didn't uh, give invitations and, and uh, Calvinism was so strong, you know, Calvinism is if there's an elect, only the elect can get saved, you know, and, and we don't have to go out and reach people because if they didn't get saved, they didn't get saved. Uh, that's Calvinism. And Calvinism is sweeping the country, our country is being engulfed by Calvinism today. And as a result, there's no invitations being given. But you know what Charles Finney would do? He would say, uh, you know, okay, uh, if you want to be saved, stand up. <laughs> I mean, who'd give an invitation like that? Stand up if you want to be saved, you know? Many people got saved. They said that when Charles Finney was announced that he was coming to a town to preach in that uh, town, that there was great conviction that would come over that town. Great conviction. Even before he got there. It was announced he's coming. Great conviction. Why? Because revival was going on. See, revival is going on, and when there's revival, there's conviction. And, and that's when people get right with God. That's when people get saved. When people today are making these decisions, and there's no change in their life. Why? Because they're not getting saved into conviction. See, revival produces conviction. And people get saved because they see themselves lost. There's only way to hell. What are you saying? I'm just saying the folks of America need revival. And America had revival in these particular times. And it's Satan, it's Pharaoh from being destroyed as a nation. Our country is in suffering tonight because of revival. But it's slipping away. It's slipped away. It's getting down to a place where unless we have revival, this country is done. This country is doomed. Unless we have revival. 
It's not political change that we need, that this country needs uh, to spare. It is revival. Without revival. And that's why, you know what? You hold, and I hold the key to our country in our hands. See, revival is save people. If you're saved tonight, uh, you, you can have revival because you have life. Revival is life. Say, and uh, uh, you know, if God is ever going to send revival to this country, if God is ever going to really work in uh, this country to send revival, you know what? I know it's going to start in a small church like this one. You know why? Because God will get all the credit. If revival starts in these great big mega churches, they'll take the credit for it. You know? So it's really encouraging to know that you, you could be a, a, a people right here tonight that could uh, start revival. You know, God could start the revival. So you're having revival. So, so you're being in the place of revival. God could start a revival that was spread to, uh, you know, Pennsylvania, all of Pennsylvania, you know, and then it, it spread to uh, other states across the country, and there'd be a great revival break loose. Uh, so, uh, you know, you could, you could be tonight uh, the church that would uh, be the place where God started the revival that spared this nation from destruction. Oh, how uh, important it is. Don't make me think, oh, we're just a little group of people. You know, that's two uh, and th- uh, uh, three or four and no more. We're just a small. There's not much impact that we can make upon uh, this nation. There is a tremendous impact because it only takes one person. To have revival, it only takes one person. And they can bring revival. And I'll show you that in just a minute. And it's not a preacher either. It's not a preacher. It only takes one person. And we can have revival. Let me look at another revival. That was revival of 1857. And that's, this is the one I'm talking about right now. Only one, one man started the revival of 1857. One man. One man. Just one. The power of one. You know. The power of one. And his name was Jeremiah Lanthier. Jeremiah Lanthier lived in New York City. And New York City was filled with wickedness. I mean, it was just rotten to the core. And that's the way it is today. New York City is filled with wickedness and rotten to the core. And so, uh, Jeremiah Lanthier was really burdened for New York City. It was just wicked. And he went up to his preacher and said, Preacher, listen, if you pay me $1,000 a year, I'll knock on doors. I'll just go out and knock on doors and try to win people, reach people for Jesus Christ. And the uh, preacher said, Okay, Jeremiah, we'll pay you 1000 a year. Just go out and knock on doors, try to win people to Jesus. And so, Jeremiah, Lanthier uh, went out and he began to uh, do that but then he realized that the key to having revival the key uh, to uh, really getting people saved was prayer and so Jeremiah Lanthier started a prayer meeting uh, for men only from 12 to 1 in the afternoon in New York City he said we're going to have a prayer meeting and he announced that and nobody showed up Nobody showed up for half an hour, but Jeremiah Lanthier waited until 1 o'clock. He said, we're going to have it from 12 to 1. I'm not going to quit until 1 o'clock comes. Even though nobody showed up yet, I'm not going to quit. And so he didn't quit, and he waited. And you know, just before 1 o'clock came, you know what? Six men showed up. Boy, he was greatly encouraged. He 
really, greatly encouraged that six men would show up in their busy, uh, workaday world. I mean, their lunch hour and stuff. This is their lunch hour, and they would lay aside their, uh, you know, lunch hour and their freedom to, to do what they wanted to do. And they would come and pray. Uh, you know, the next day, uh, the next week, they had it. Uh, the next week, and 20 showed up. And then the following week, they had that men's parade, uh, and 40 showed up. The week after that, 80 men showed up. And um, that grew to 5,000 men showing up to pray in uh, uh, the church there in New York City. And 10,000 people came to know the Lord as their Savior as a result of uh, those uh, prayer meetings. Uh, they say that many uh, people got saved in New York uh, over a, a period of, of time. There was over one million in the 20-year period of time when they had these prayer meetings going on. Over one million people came to know the Lord as Savior. Because Christians had revival in their lives. And uh, one million came to the Lord. This revival uh, started, this program started in um, uh, New York City, but you know, it spread to other cities. It spread to Philadelphia, and Philadelphia had uh, 2,500 uh, men showing up to pray. Uh, uh, on a regular uh, basis and 10,000 people in Philadelphia came to know the Lord as Savior and then it spread to Chicago and Chicago had 3,000 men showing up to pray 3,000 men showing, uh, showing up uh, to pray and over uh, a period of time there at the peak of this prayer meeting that they had this revival over 50,000 people had already come to know the Lord because of this prayer. This uh, revival that was broken loose in 1857, uh, it went to these cities and, and uh, uh, the newspapers began to broadcast it. They were recorded. You know, the wonderful newspaper recorded a revival was going on. Says, I mean, you wouldn't see that today. I mean, newspapers don't even uh, do it. But, but back in this time, revival was breaking loose and the newspapers were printing about revival meetings and things happening and, and, and preaching uh, taking place. You know? And uh, it spread to the South. And we had the Civil War during that time, 1861 to 1865. As a result of this revival, there was revivals every night after the fighting on both sides. They'd have revival meetings. They'd have preachers come in, great big bonfire, and the men would be singing. And the preacher get up and preach the gospel, and many of those men got saved in those revivals at the end of a uh, day of fighting. Many of them got saved. Uh, you know why? I'll tell you why they got saved. Because they knew they were going to die the next day. They knew they were going to go out and die. And uh, you know, if you knew you were going to die, and you got saved, uh, you know, you, you'd probably be very willing to get saved. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, you know. I think most of you are saved here tonight. So, but if, if there was somebody here, if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow at 12 o'clock, I will tell you something, uh, it would be very easy to get saved. Say. And those uh, people in the Civil War, uh, many of them came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, that was a tremendous uh, revival time. For America, it saved America, it spared America. I mean, uh, you know, even to take it, even going through a great civil war, I mean, uh, we could have been easily, uh, you know, destroyed as a nation, but the revival was what kept it from, from self-destructing. You know, 
It wasn't because Abraham Lincoln. It was because of it was revival that kept this nation from being destroyed. That's what I'm trying to get you to see, folks. Because you don't hear about it in schools. You don't hear about it on the media. You don't hear about it in many churches. That revival is what has kept this nation from being destroyed for hundred years. And we need it again. We need revival again in America. And it can need to start with someone somewhere like Jeremiah Lanthier. Would you be a Jeremiah Lanthier? Would you be a person to have revival enough in your life that you'd want to pray? That you'd want to sacrifice? That you would want to pray, you know, for uh, the country, your city, your town, your state to have revival? Or if there's not been any other revival uh, of the early uh, uh, 1900s and the late 1800s, a man by the name of D.L. Moody got saved, and, and D.L. Moody came from a very rough background, a broken home, and, and uh, he was a man uh, who had revival his life named Kimball. And uh, Kimball was a teacher of a citizen class, and, and Kimball had revival going on in, in his heart, and he said, man, I've got to reach these uh, young kids, i got to reach them. And he began to go out after young kids, and he met this Dwight Moody. And he'd go and talk to Dwight Moody and invite him to come to Sunday school church, you know. And, uh, uh, and Dwight Moody was saved as a result of, of J- uh, Mr. Kimball yeah, having revival going on. See, when revival was going on, you don't want to just come to church. You want to, you want to go out from church and, and reach people. You want to go out from church and, and try to bring lost people in. And... Uh, and uh, went into Christ. See, there's no revival going on. And Bill Moody was greatly used to God. He uh, said, This Lord is yet to see what one man can do that's totally given up, totally surrendered to the Lord by God's grace. I'll be that man. And Bill Moody touched two continents for the Lord. He touched uh, America and he touched uh, Europe. And then uh, another revival took place after that. It was a revival under the influence of a tremendous preacher. He once was a baseball player for uh, Chicago Boy team. His name was Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was a good ball player. He could uh, run the bases fast than any uh, baseball player at that time. He was uh, very, very uh, good. And uh, therefore, he was successful playing uh, pro ball. But you know what? Even though he was successful, that was the empty of his heart. He was just empty inside. And one day, he's uh, walking along State Street in Chicago, and he sees this uh, band uh, playing. Uh, they're playing outside, you know, playing uh, uh, gospel music. And uh, people give their testimonies, like we have tonight. People give, uh, and people stand up and, and tell how Jesus had saved them. And then they have preaching. And so Billy Sunday, under the influence of, of these people, had revival enough that they would go out on a street corner and sing to the Lord. <laughs> you know, they would go on the street corner and stand up and testify what Jesus has done. We sure don't have that going on today. And um, Billy Sunday heard the testimonies of preaching the city. He said, these folks got something that's real. <laughs> they got something that, uh, you know, 
I don't have. And Billy suddenly got saved and he gave up his lucrative baseball career and became an evangelist and preached the gospel. And they said that when Billy suddenly would come to a town, uh, there'd be revival for police. Uh, bars would close. Whole houses would shut up. I mean, listen, uh, God mightily used the preaching of the word of God. What am I trying to show you tonight? I'm trying to show you that revival changed America. I'm trying to show you that when it was really bad, everybody's really looking at our country, it's really bad. Cancer's really bad. And you know something? Uh, this country can be saved and spent by one thing. Revival breaking loose. And it's what helped shape this country into being what it's been all these years. Revival has. But many today have never heard these historic facts in our schools. I mean, wouldn't be some of our public schools would teach about, I mean, these are historical uh, facts. These are, uh, this is what really happened. It wouldn't be something if, if our teachers would teach these historic facts about revival in America. They don't even touch base with that. I mean, they don't even do that. Uh, you know, uh, in our radio, in our media, uh, in our newspapers, now our public schools are worse than ever, and they're producing 70% of the public school kids are atheists when they come out of the public school. Recently, Harvard, not too far from here, Harvard College, they have right now a chaplain who's an atheist. Can you imagine that? A chaplain who's an atheist. <laughs> oh, we need revival, folks. We need a revival. You know, years ago, there was a man by the name of D.L. Moody, and I've mentioned him already, but he was over in England holding a, a meeting, and God was blessing, revival was breaking loose, and, and there was a man uh, back here in the States, and he said, you know, I'm going to go be a part of that revival. You know, he had revival in his heart, he wanted to go clear across the ocean to be a part of the revival meeting. Can you imagine that? I mean, we can't even get people to come to Sunday night service. <laughs> let alone uh, go clear across the ocean to be a part of revival. And he got on a ship and he went over there and uh, he's over there in London, England. And he knows where the revival is taking place and he sees a policeman coming towards him and he says, well, Mayor, please, you know, he said, uh, Mr. Policeman, uh, you know, I'm from America and there's supposed to be an evangelist over here by name of uh, Dale Moody and he's preaching somewhere and I don't know where uh, it's at. Uh, do you know where the revival is at, uh, Mr. Policeman? And Mr. Policeman said, yeah, I know where it's at. It's right here. It's right here. You see, that's where revival has got to be. It's got to be in your heart. It's got to get in your heart. It's got to be in the heart. See, it's got to be an individual having revival. An individual. Revival is individual. Oh, yeah, the pastor needs it. Oh, yeah, and our church needs it. Our people need it. Our deacons need it. Hey, yeah, they probably do, but you need it. And that's where revival starts. Such an individual Christian says, you know, I need revival in my heart and in my life. I've gotten cold. I've gotten, uh, you know, a place where I'm just not, I'm just not uh, uh, alive with revival fire burning in my soul. You know, I need a touch of revival in my life. That's where it's, it's got to start. That's where it's got to start. 
Now, uh, what are the principles of revival? What are the principles uh, of revival that uh, uh, produce revival? What are those principles? Let me just share those with you real quickly here. The first principle of revival is uh, salvation. You got to be saved. You can't have revival. Uh, you know, people say, well, I hope you say, that person can never be in a place of revival. No, you got to know 100% for sure you're saved. you got to have that settled. And, uh, and just, uh, it's just uh, uh, a settled issue. So you got to be saved. The second principle to have revival and to be in the place of revival as a Christian, you know. You see, that man uh, wanted to be a part of revival. You know why? Because he was in the place of revival. He was in a place of revival so much so that he wanted to go pray across the nation just to be a part of that service, you know, uh, to be a part of that revival. He was in a place of revival. To be in the place of revival, you need to be saved. And there, secondly, you need to be desperate. You need to have some desperate realization in your life that our country is in desperate need of revival. Our Christianity is in desperate need of revival, genuine revival. You've got to be desperate enough. You know, that's what God is waiting for us to get desperate. God can send revival, but He's not going to send revival when we're careless and put, uh, we're, we're not desperate enough to, you know, change our life, to, you know, to see that we're, we're not in a place of revival. We need to, we need to get uh, revival going in our life. We, we need to be desperate. You know, folks, listen, for America, it's either revival or ruin. It's either one of those two. you got to get desperate to realize that. And to say, you know, I need to get in the place of revival. I, I need to uh, spiritually have a, uh, an awakening in my life to the Lord, to the things of the Lord. You know, another principle of being in the place of revival is prayer. Oh, I'll tell you something. Prayer needs to be a in your life. You need to be praying for people. You need to have a prayer list and praying for people to get saved and not just say, Lord, save the lost. You know, that, that's that's not being a place of revival. When you're in a place of revival, you've got people that you're praying before God every day about their soul. You're noting their name uh, before the Lord and, and you say, Lord God, save, uh, uh, you know, like this Brian guy, you know, <laughs> Oh, God, save Brian. You know, uh, you, you get some people that you want to see saved and you pray. You know, I believe in all my heart there's nobody genuinely saved that someone somewhere hasn't been praying a lot. Praying a lot for their soul. You know, I'll tell you something. Uh, prayer is, is a very uh, important part of being in a place of revival. Uh, there's got to be a, a, a prayer life that uh, is, uh, is alive and well. Is your prayer life alive and well? Or is it something you just tack on? You ever say that you prayed? You know? Do you have a, a, a prayer life that's uh, got some lost people that you're praying for and backslidden Christians you're praying for? And, you know? Prayer. Another is a very important principle to have in your life to be in the place of revival, and that is availability. Uh, in other words, uh, you're uh, someone who wants to be used to bring revival. You want to be used of God to bring revival into uh, this nation. See, you've made yourself available to use of God. 
remember uh, when Sarah told a lady by the name Miller, she came over uh, to this country from Poland, she didn't know the language, uh, she had no relatives over there, and she worked as a scrub lady, a scrub floor, so, to make a living, you know, provide food for her. But then he was saved, and she was going to a good Bible church. And they had a, a, a preaching service uh, and some meetings going on at the Bible Living Church. And, you know, Miller uh, uh, came forward and night. She says, you know, I just want to I just want to be used to God, preacher. I just want to be used to God in some way. Uh, and, uh, you know, wherever God wants you to go, I'll go. It was a missions conference they were having. And she came forward and she said, you know, I just want to be used to God. I want to go wherever, wherever God wants you to go. And, you know, the pastor knew that Millie didn't even know English that well, you know. And she didn't have any relatives. She just uh, came. She was a scrub lady. She didn't know much. She wasn't Bible college grad. She didn't know hardly much of anything. And so he says to her, he says, now, Millie, you just go home and you just think about this. And, and um, you just think it over. And then you come back and tell me, uh, you know, what do you think that... Uh, uh, you ought to do. And so she comes back and says, Pastor, I know, I know uh, where God wants you to be. I know where God uh, can use me. And, uh, and she says, God can use me right here in this church. God can use me right here. I don't have to go to a foreign field uh, to be used to God. I can, I can be used to God right here. And you know, Millie was uh, uh, dedicating uh, herself that night to be used to God. She, she dedicated. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had enough of a Bible in your life? You, you came and said, Lord, I want to be used to God. I, whatever you want to be used, I want to be used. And, uh, and Mary came and she said, Preacher, I know that God wants you to use me right here. And so Mary started inviting people to come to church every week. And she started praying for people to get saved. And, and she just started working in that church, doing whatever she could do. She got all involved. She wanted to be used to God. And you know, Mary died many years after that. And uh, the pastor said, I don't know if it's going to be anybody at the funeral. I mean, you know, Millie didn't have any relatives, and, and uh, I, I don't know if anybody's ever show up. And you know that at her uh, funeral, the whole church was packed with people. The whole church was packed with people. People whose lives Millie had touched because she uh, was uh, willing to be used to God. And they had a testimony time, and some people stood up and said, If it wasn't for Millie, I, I believe someone would have held God for God with Millie. tell you something. You know, that's the principle of revival. Revival. Uh, to be in the place of revival, you got to be desirous of being used of God. you got to be desirous of being used of God. It's got to be strong in your life. You want to be used of God. Are you in the place of revival? How much do you want to be used of God? How much? You know, uh, are you being used of God? I mean, this church needs to be in the use of God. Thank God. Uh, it's here because there are bunch of people who want to be used to God. Thank God for the pastor and his wife want to be used to God. I don't know how, many, how long some of you have been here from the day one. I don't know, maybe. And, and this church is here because you want to be used to God. You know, it's like uh, being desirous to be used to God. Uh, clean down. Has there been something that uh, you don't want God to hear from? Has there been something? Hey, I'm too old. It's time for me to retire. It's time for me to just uh, come and sit and do nothing. Man, I thought, listen, revival takes place. You know, we don't retire. We retire up there. That's what our retirement is. We are to use the God of 
I said, I mean, uh, Jack was 85 years old. He said, I want that mountain over there. I'm, I don't care how many giants now. I'm going after that mountain. He said, God, how much you give me that? He wanted to be used to God. Revival is having a great desire to be used of God. Are you in the place of revival of me? Another principle of being in the place of revival to be used to God is the principle of uh, the message of the Word of God. The message of the Word of God. You know, there's a famine uh, in the land of the Word of God. There's a famine. Amos chapter uh, number 8 talks about that. It talks about uh, how that, uh, you know, uh, behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, not of fish or water, but of hearing the Word of God. Folks, we live in a day where there's a famine of hearing the Word of God, say. And revival, our principle of revival is that people got to get back to wanting to hear the Word of God. I mean, uh, the doors are open. They, they don't want to be there. They're going to be in church. They want to hear the Word of God. You know, I heard about a man who was uh, deaf and, and, and dumb. Uh, he, he came to church. He sat in the front row. He came to church regularly. He didn't miss the service. He came and sat in the church. Uh, front row, you know? Never missed the service. He was deaf and dumb. Couldn't hear the preaching. Maybe that's why he came so much. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, he was deaf and dumb. And someone came up to him. He had a little slate. You know, where you could, you could write something down on it. You wanted to ask him. And then he could answer that on that slate. And so the guy says, you know, you don't miss the service. You hear every service. You don't miss the service. You can't make it. And you sit right in the front row. And he says, you know, you don't hear the music. You don't. Uh, you can't hear the preaching, you can't, you're dumb, you can't say anything, you can't sing. How come you're so thankful to come all the time? And the man wrote down on the slate board, he said, I just want the devil to know whose side I'm on. <laughs> That's when you have the place of revival. That's when revival's going on in your life. When you just want the devil to know that you are for revival meetings. You are for a Bible church. You're for your passion. You're for the preaching of the word of God. And you're just not going to ever get away from it. You see, there is a family of the word of God. Where are the people that are here this morning? Where are you tonight? You know, I know some from, came from other cities and wasn't. But what about the other people? Where are all the people? We're all the people. There's a famine of the word of God. We need revival in our church. This this country is going down the wrong tube, and we're the only Christians have the only hope to stop it from being destroyed. Christians are the only hope. We need to get back to the place where the message of the word of God is what fills our soul and our hearts and our hearts. We don't look at the clock. My wife said there was a guy one time in church service, he had two watches on. He looked at this watch, he looked at that watch. You think he had revival going on in his life? You think people are going to get saved by him? Hmm, preacher's going over time here. I'll tell you something. We need uh, people to love the preach the word of God, where, uh, you know, uh, the clock is not the issue. You know, we're in Russia, I've been reading Doug Nelson's uh, biography, great biography. And he said he went to Russia, people will come over there and hear the preacher preach for two hours. And after two hours, he said, keep going, preacher, you just got started. Keep going, keep going. We want to hear the preacher of the word of God. We have a famine of 
preaching of the Word of God, wanting to hear the preaching of the Word of God. We had a family of, of people preaching the Word of God. I mean, it was uh, Jonah preaching the Word of God that caused the whole city to uh, have given up repent. He was preaching a, a short message, too. <laughs> you know? Repent and perish. Probably the shortest message in all the Bible. God blesses preaching of the Word of God. And people need to preach the Word of God. And many other principles of being in the place of God is the fact that, uh, uh, you know, conviction, we get convicted about sin in your life. Even the littlest things, when you say something about sin, when it gets in your life, the littlest thing gets in your life, you know, hey, it's not that bad. You know, it's not drinking and smoking and fornicating and all this. It's just a little sin of jealousy in my life or envy in my life. You know, I tell you something, when you're in a place of revival, you get convicted when there's just one sin in your life. Just one. You say, oh, Lord, I had thought this thought, and it wasn't a right thought. Would you please forgive me? Lord, I said these words. I should just said them to my wife. I should just said them to my kids. And I want you to forgive me. You know, you're sensitive about sin. Uh, see, when you're in place of revival, you're not calloused about sin in your life. You're not hard about it. You're not uh, excusing it and blame shifting it. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're convicted about sin. And, and you want to get it right with God. So there's conviction. Another place of revival is that uh, uh, there's total surrender in your life. Total surrender in your life. To be in the place of revival, there's got to be total surrender. Is there total surrender? Have you ever totally surrendered all to the Lord? You say, preacher, that's for evangelists, that's for pastors. No, that's for everybody born-again Christian. Every born-again Christian, you totally surrender to the Lord. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercy of God, present your body to a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Every Christian should be totally surrendered. You see, we have an ism. You know, that's going around this country. Uh, a pandemic uh, that's worse than uh, the COVID pandemic. It's a pandemic going among Christians. Those who say they're Christians, at least. Uh, at least. And that pandemic is a, is a, uh, a philosophy of life about uh, the Christian life that says, I don't want to go that far. I'm not going to go that far. You know, I can be saved, but I'm not going to go that far and get baptized. I can be saved, but I'm not going to go that far and join the church. Amen. I'm not going to go that far and be a tither. I'm not going to go that far and separate from the world. I'm not going to go that far and surrender all to the Lord. I'm just not going to go that far. And I'll tell you something. That kills revival. Kills it. It kills it in your life. You will never be in the place of revival in your life when you have that particular philosophy. I don't want to go that far. You know, I don't want to go that far. Walk the aisle, get some new right. I don't want to go that far. You know, surrender all. I don't want to go. You're never going to be a person that's going to bring revival to anything, any place, anywhere. Your church, your own heart and life is never going to have revival. You're never going to bring revival to the nation until you raise the Lord. I'm willing to go all out for you. All out for you. All in and all in all, Christian. And out and out, Christian too. Say, that's when, that's when you're in the place of revival. Are you in the place of revival then? And then lastly, being in the place of revival is a commitment. A willingness to make a commitment. A commitment that you're going to have revival in your own heart and life. You're going to seek to be 
constantly in the place of revival. You're going to seek to be constantly in the place. You're going to commit yourself. Do you know that our nation has not seen revival for two to three generations? Two to three generations of Christians have not seen revival. Our country has not seen revival. We need, our country needs revival. Our churches need revival. Our homes need revival. Christian people who are saved need revival. You know, are you willing to commit yourself to be one from this day forward by the grace of God? You're going to seek to be in the place of revival. You're going to seek to be in the place of revival. Here's what I want you to do. If you're going to be in the place of revival, here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, picture uh, this. I want you to draw a circle. When we stand here in a minute, I want you to draw a circle in your mind's imagination. That circle is that which pictures a place of revival. It pictures the place of revival, that circle. And then I want you to make a choice in your heart to step in that circle and say, by God's grace, I want to be a Christian that is seeking to be in the place of revival from here on out every day of my life. From here on out every day of my life, I want to be a Christian that's seeking to be in the place of revival. What's that place? You're saved. Number two, you're desperate. You want to see revival in other people's lives. You want to see revival in your church. You want to see revival in your nation. You want to see revival. You know, you're desperate and desirous of that. And then it is uh, also, uh, you know, uh, praying. Uh, you're, you're going to be in that place of praying for people, individuals, I mean, praying for people to get saved. And then uh, you're going to be someone who is uh, available to be used of God. You want to be used of God. You're going out there uh, to be used of God. You're going out to, to reach people, to win people, to bring church, to talk to them about the Savior. You want to be used of God. And uh, uh, you're uh, being in a place of conviction when the Spirit of God talks to you about any sin in your life. You're going to get it right. You're not going to sleep over the rug. You're not going to cover it over. You're not going to blame shift it uh, on someone else. And then uh, also, you're going to be totally surrendered to the Lord all on the altar. No, uh, I'm not going to go that far, ism, in your life. I'm not going to go that far. No. Lord said with him, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to do I am not going to go that far. you got to eliminate that, folks, to be in the place of revival. You've got to be willing to say, I'm willing to go all the way for Jesus. All that he wants you to be, I'm going to go that far. You know, I'm going to go as far as he wants me to go. As far as this word tells me to go, I'm going to go. I'm going to go as far as the word of God wants me to go. I'm going to go. I'm not going to go halfway. I'm going to be saved, but not baptized. I'm going to be saved, not going to church right here. I'm not. I'm going to be saved, but I'm not going to be a tiger. I'm going to be saved, but you know, I'm not. I'm not going to uh, deal with sin in my life when it gets there. You know. And then, lastly, you know, you're going to commit yourself to that. The circle is being drawn tonight. Okay. I'm going to draw some circles right here. How many, people, how many people got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm going to draw eight circles up here. 
if you were to get in a place of revival, would you be willing to slip out tonight and come and get in that circle and stay in that circle and say, Lord, I want you to know that I want to be in the place of revival because I love my country and I realize that revival is the only hope. Got to have it. If they don't, there's no hope. But not only getting in the place of revival for our country, but getting the place of revival for the cause of Christ. Above and foremost, the cause of Christ. I want to get in that place of revival. So let's stand, please. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. No one's looking around. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. No one's looking around. We don't have any parents tonight to play. Uh, but you know, uh, if God spoke in your heart tonight, there's uh, eight uh, circles up here of uh, being in the place of revival. And if you're willing to get in one of those circles and, and be in the place of revival, will you come right now from where you're standing and get in that circle up here? Just come right now, get in that circle. If you want to be in the place of revival, come, get in that circle. Just get in that circle. I, I know there are a few here and and, uh, but I'll tell you something, boy, to have eight people, eight people that want to be in the place of revival, I'll tell you what, that is really great. It is really super. I think God is going to do some great things. From here on out, I think the best days of this church are yet to come. They are, they are yet to come. Of getting in the place and saying, Lord, I want to be in that place of revival and I'm going to seek to be there no matter what. So, thank you. I, I, you know, I praise God for that. I, I know that, you know, I, I did, I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I tried to make you do something you don't want to do. And please don't, don't feel like uh, you had to come. No, just, hey, I'm, I'm going to love you if you didn't come anyway. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not your judge. God's your judge. I'm not. I mean, I'm not trying to judge you or anything. Like, but what I'm just trying to do is uh, get you to see uh, the great need of the hour is Christians in the place of revival. That's the great need. America is so desperately in need. So go out here and be used of God this week. Get on the phone. Go out and invite people. You know, God's not through with you. God has some great things ahead. And you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. So, Pastor, would you come and close in prayer? Pray for these folks who come and that God will give them courage to just keep in that place of revival no matter what. What a privilege has been ours tonight. I needed that message so much. We all did. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you so much for meeting with us tonight and, and Father I, I know I've, I've read about those revivals and mm. it seems like the common thread is that it starts with one person yeah. so many times Lord mm. help and we can all be that person Lord, Lord. and help us Lord help us uh, from this this evening on um, and I just thank you Lord and for bringing Brother Gilmore here and I just know that it was absolutely the will of God that he be here and that we be here tonight Amen. and so just help us lead us oh Lord and I pray for your help as the pastor of this church Lord to provide that the godly leadership and everything everything that I, I don't want to in any way I don't want to stand in the way of revival and uh, 
So please help us all, dear Lord. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you know the little course, send the great revival to my soul? You go, send the great revival to my soul. Send the great revival to my soul. Let the Holy Spirit come and take control. And send the great revival to my soul. Think you could sing it? Send the great revival to my soul. Let the Holy Spirit come and take control. And send the great revival to my soul. Yeah. Try and sing it tomorrow. Try to go throughout the day. Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking about I want to be loyal to the Savior, loyal to the Bible, loyal to my wife. There was another Gary Gilmore. I'm fine. <laughs> but one of the things I pray, Lord, keep me from falling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I have fallen a couple of times. Yeah, me too. I have, but I have too. You know, I don't know if you knew that I had uh, uh, prostate cancer. Yeah, yeah. 